I thank God for it. Amen. All right. So uh, today finishes the, the sermon series that I began several weeks ago. And sitting there saying thank you. <laughs> uh, so uh, I want to finish this today with several passages of scripture. I guess the Lord was trying to help me to prepare for the sermon in that uh, on this week, my car was violated and someone took my briefcase with all of my personal stuff in. No, don't, oh, it, it, it's okay, it's okay. And here's the thing. I said, okay, Lord, so what's the message? He said, so you're teaching on forgiveness Sunday, right? <laughs> I said, okay, there's a better way for me to learn. I can just read the scripture and do the work. He said, but no, I want to give you all of it in one. He said, you, you started with anxiety. You taught patience, self-control, and we're ending up at forgiveness. And so he said, first thing I need you to do is go ahead and begin to pray about forgiving the person who took your stuff. I need you to go ahead and start praying. He didn't tell me to forgive them. He said, I need you to start praying about forgiving them. And this is going to show up in the message later, okay? But then he said, I want you to not have any anxiety and worry about calling. And I had to go to the banks and call the credit card companies and my passport was in the bag and all that kind of stuff. And so he said, don't have any anxiety. You have the knowledge of knowing how to do it. And you have the means to get it done. He said, so just calm down and do it. Get rid of the anxiety. Go to the bank and deal with the bank. Ushers, you can be seated. Said, and sit in that little space where you have to wait for them to call you next, where it's five people in front of you, it's one person working, and then it's a person that don't understand English in between you and them. Be patient. And I was sitting there, and I was like, I can just come back tomorrow, but, you know, every day that you put off when your identity has been breached, you risk some things happen. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to patiently wait to the point that I had to sit there. And I, got, I checked like 1,500 emails while I was waiting, amen, on my cell phone. But, so I said, okay, God, I got the anxiety piece. I'm not anxious. I'm, I'm patient. And then the Lord said, now, take that baseball bat that's in your car and put it up. Because if you run across the person, you might hit them, amen. <laughs> so have some self-control, Amen. And so he said, you did such a great job telling other people to have self-control. Now I want to make sure you got something. And then he said, I want you to begin now the process of forgiveness in your heart so that if you should find out who took it, you've already began the process of forgiveness. And I was like Jeremiah. I said I wasn't going to talk about the Lord today. <laughs> but he was like, fire shut up in my bones. And so all of it began to come together for me in the course of preparation. And so as uh, I pray with you over this message, I pray that it all comes together for us in this summer teaching series where we really get the heart of the, the message. And so in your Bibles today, I want to give you three passages of Scripture that I believe are good for our edification uh, as we walk through them. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 is the first one. And I'm going to begin at verse number 21 through 35. And then also jot down Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. I'm going to read through several passages there. And then we're going to finalize at Matthew 3, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. In 
passages. So those passages are on the screen. You can just take a picture of them. But I really want you to read them later because uh, in this idea of getting forgiveness, uh, receiving it, and learning how to extend it, uh, we don't want to just talk about forgiveness, the whole idea of it. We want to really grow to know what it is and be where the Lord would have us to be. Uh, now, I need to give a disclaimer before this. Uh, we're going to talk about it again on Tuesday night where you get to ask questions in the Remix Bible study. So you can email me your questions at pastorkeith4 at AOL.com or you can text them to me and I'll try to deal with them. These are intimate deep dives that we do for our podcast. Uh, and we've literally had thousands of people tuning into it because it's circulating and people are really getting it and they're asking for more of it. And so there are subjects that are helpful to people. It's on Apple, Spotify, uh, and other sources that are out there. So uh, continue to search for it, and, and you'll see it. Uh, so get that. So let's do this. Uh, let's go to uh, Matthew 18 first, and I want to read the text. Keep your seats this morning as we get these uh, Bible passages and prepare uh, for this sermon. This, the topic of the sermon is the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter, amen? The heart of the matter. Verse 21, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom, heaven, kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell before him saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what, he, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Amen. I want to talk about the heart of the matter. For a long time, we've looked at this passage of scripture and we've been more concerned with the top part of the conversation of what Jesus was saying to Peter. We thought about it in the number of times that we're supposed to give people, forgive people. And what we really have done is we've gotten tripped on that because we're saying, now look, I'm tired of forgiving folk for the same thing over and over and over again. Oh, by the way, if in this sermon you don't say amen, you can just say, shut up, pastor. 
Because a lot of folk at the 745 service couldn't say, man, they just said, you're getting on my nerves. But the reality of it is, is that we concentrate so much on the top part of this parable in this passage when we look at verse number 21 where Jesus is saying, I'm saying to you not seven times but 70 times seven, that we start trying to count and multiply the number of times we forgive folk. And we look at that and we start saying, look, I'm just forgiving people, I'm forgiving a person, or I'm forgiving somebody for the same thing over and over again. But if you look very carefully at the end of the text, what Jesus is emphasizing as well as the number of times that we forgive people, he's emphasizing it must be from the heart, which says to me from the very onset of this sermon is that you can forgive people from the head and it not be pleasing to God. Quite often what happens to a lot of us is we rationalize forgiveness in our head and we start trying to come up with a way to forgive people because we want to move on beyond the matter, but it is really not from the heart. You see, if it is from the heart, whenever the infraction occurs again, you won't have a reaction to the infraction. What takes place in this particular text, if you're very careful to, uh, to look at it, is that the king quickly forgives this man when he comes in and asks for forgiveness, which is the first thing I want to suggest to you is that you can't rush to forgive folks. Quite often what happens to a lot of us is that as soon as somebody comes in and says, I'm sorry, we like to say, I forgive you. Because it looks good, it's easy to clean up, it's great to move on from, but I need to help about two or three of y'all in here this morning. Forgiveness takes a long time. You see, it has to marinate, it has to cook, it has to steep, it has to get some flavor, it's got to soak in the pot. You got to let it sit there. You got to go through the rounds of emotions and feelings that you have before you can really let it come from your heart. Now, it can come from your mouth and from your head, and you can give people that holy handshake that they give on church on Sunday, or a high five, if you will, but I need you to know stuff that comes from your hand and from your head is not necessarily from your heart. It's very clear, it's very clear to me that what happens quite often is that we rush to try to forgive people. The king looks at this particular text and by the time the man throws himself down on the floor and he begs for forgiveness, the first thing the king says is, I forgive you, go ahead. But as soon as the man gets up and does something that the king does not like, the king says, send and get him and I'm going to put him back in the same prison that I had him in. And that's what happens to us when we really try to forgive people from the head and the hands and not from the heart is that we rush to get to the point of forgiveness so we can move out of the way because after all we want to be good Christians we want to be good godly folk and we want to get all of the embarrassing and ugly stuff out of the way because we want to forgive people now it's a good thing to want to forgive people but I want to give you some things this morning as we move to this heart of the matter kind of text and look at it because if we are very honest with ourselves we got to understand what forgiveness is not so we can know what forgiveness is you see when you know what forgiveness is not then you can move towards real forgiveness and you can move towards the act of being forgiven but you got to understand what forgiveness is not come on shout amen back at me well the first thing I want to drop in your spirit today is that forgiveness is not forgetting amen and I need to get some amens in here today because a lot of folk have been told to forget it, forgive and forget and move on. But I need to help you. There are some things that have happened in your life that you never will forget. Because forgiving is a spiritual act and forgetting is a biological act. Forgiving happens in the spirit, but forgetting happens in the brain. And the brain has an indelible impression in it that when something has happened to you, there are some things you will never 
never forget. And we need to quit asking people to forget stuff that has happened to them because you will never move past certain pains in your life. Don't you ask a mother who has lost a child at the hands of someone else to forget that? You're in dangerous territory right there because somebody thought that they were big enough and bad enough to take a life that they did not give, and they have harmed my child, and you're telling me to forgive and forget? I might forgive that joker, but I ain't going to never forget what he or she did in my family. There are some things that you don't ever ask a person to forget because the consequences keep showing up long after the action has taken place. Do I have anybody in here? You make a promise to me, and then you break your promise, but the consequences of your word keep showing up in my life because you let me down. Somebody in here ought to be able to say amen because the reality of it is this. Watch. You cannot forget some things that have happened in your life. I can forgive you all day, but I can't forget because when you ask me to forget, you ask me to erase something from my mind and move the feelings that are attached to it as if it never happened. Now, I'm going to forgive and remove the anger, but tell somebody it's going to take me a little time, amen. I'm not rushing to get that because if I try to go from zero to 60, I'm going to mess myself up. I'm going to be walking around thinking that I have forgiven you when really I have not forgiven you. What I have done is I've given up the right to enact vengeance against you for what you have done. And I've come down off the ledge a little bit. Tell somebody, don't rush me. Amen. Sometimes I want to do something back to you for what you did, but I don't do that. So you ought to thank God I'm growing every day. Now I've moved from action to just thinking about it. And now I've moved from thinking about it less to not cussing you out. Lord, help me in here. At least I'm coming down. Do I have any witnesses in here? And now that I've come down from wanting to harm you to not wanting to hurt you, then I'm going to come down from not wanting to see anything happen to you because I realize you don't matter that much anyway. Do I have any witnesses in here? When you are trying to forgive, do not rush yourself into forgiveness. Some of us have messed up our system trying to rush ourselves into forgiveness and then when we felt that feeling again, we thought something was wrong with us. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You moved too fast. You ran too fast trying to please everybody else. You were so busy trying to make people think you was a good Christian. Yeah, Christian. I don't know how you spell that, but you're trying to impress the folk around you. But God knew where your heart was all the time. And what happens to us is that we believe that forgiving, and we've been wrongly taught that forgiving and forgetting go hand in hand. I can forgive and never forget. Can I be honest with you? Jesus, even as he was moving towards Calvary, remembered what the folk had already said about him and what they had attempted to do to him. He recalled the things that were happening even as he approached Calvary. Do you not remember as he was going through Jericho and he said what happened and then when they wouldn't let him go through Samaria, James and John said, do you want us to call fire from heaven and burn this place down? Because this is the same thing they did last time. Jesus said, let them go. And then when he's hanging on Calvary's cross, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. In other words, he understands at a higher level, but he did not forget what was going on. I want about two or three of y'all in here to forgive yourself for, for trying to forget stuff that you never can forget because once it happened, it happened. Now, you need to forgive, but you may not ever forget. 
you may not forget because God may keep it there for a reason. I've learned that God let me have my memory for a reason. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. Tell somebody, I got a good mind. And it helps me to recall not only the good things God has done, but it shows me the symptoms and the signs of when somebody else who's done me wrong getting ready to do it again. And when I see it creeping up on me, Guess what I start doing? I start removing myself from that situation. Shame on me if I let you do to me this same thing you did last time. And if I didn't have my memory, if I had forgotten about it, here I would be going through the same thing again. I'm going to say, uh-uh, I seen that trick before. Last time you asked me for $20, you didn't pay me back. And here you go with your hand shaped like a cup again. Talking about, let me have something. You going to get on up out of here today? Sometimes we're going to need an usher over here in just a few minutes. Sometimes God lets you remember to protect yourself. Now, he doesn't tell us not to be in relationship, but he helps us to not let the same thing continue to happen in our lives over and over again. Yeah, you got to look at it. Forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting. Second thing I need to drop in your spirit to let you know what forgiveness is not. These are three points of what forgiveness is not before we build up a process of learning how to forgive. Forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew y'all were going to look at me like that. If you can't say amen, just say shut up, pastor. See, because sometimes what happens to us is we think that we got to forgive and get back with the one that did what they did with us. But you don't always have to go back into the side. I'm going to preach better than y'all going to say amen. You see, because what happens to us is true forgiveness is from the heart, but reconciliation is a physical act. I don't have to put myself back in the same situations that caused my pain in the beginning. I'm going to preach better than you're going to say amen. God does give us the ministry of separation. He said, mark those among you. And then he says, don't be in a contentious environment. And if folk keep doing the same thing over and over again, he said, forgive them, but you ain't got to be with them. I'm going to preach better than you're going to say amen. Romans chapter 12, look at what it says. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. See if you can get it on the screen and walk with me. Watch what the Bible says. Let love be without hypocrisy. Amen. It said, in other words, if it's going to be right, don't let it be hypocritic. And so if we're going to be together, we're going to be together. And if we're going to be together, we're going to be right by each other. But if we ain't going to be right by each other, we don't have to be together. Now, I can forgive you and pull the ministry of exiting the next minute. Amen. Y'all will catch that on the way home. You got to understand that when Paul writes this, he's writing something very powerful. Look at what it said. Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. I can do that from afar. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Come here real quick. Verse 7. 
17, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. But if it ain't possible, you ain't got to be there. Here's what it said, live, if it's possible. I can only be responsible for the person who's sitting in this seat I'm sitting in. He done gave me all these things I need to do. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Repay nobody evil for evil. Bless those who persecute you. He didn't say be with them. He said bless them. He said rejoice with those who rejoice. Catch your, catch your words there. Catch your connection conjunctions, all right? Catch, your, catch the words because it said be with those who rejoice. Be in the happy place with happy people. But if there are some folk who love to keep stuff going on, you ain't got to be up in that spot right there because it's wearing you out and it's tearing you up. Watch what he says. He said, live at peace as much as it is possible. Can you get verse 18 on the screen so they'll know I didn't make that up? If it is possible. Once you do your part, as much as it depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Sometimes, when folk got trouble in them, you, ain't no matter what you do, it don't matter. I can't get out of you what's in you. But here's what I can do. I can't control how you act but I can control how you act impacts me. Because if I'm not there, it can't hurt me. If I'm not there, it can't do me any harm. Can I choose the behaviors that impact me? Yes, I can. Because I don't have to be in the situation because God has given me divine permission to hold one finger up and walk on up out of that situation. Y'all know that's the Baptist, the Baptist exit plan, right? When you hold one finger up, better get you out of anything. It worked in the Methodist church, the Catholic church, the Baptist church. It worked at work. Amen. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not synonymous. Verse 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give, play, uh, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? Forgiven, but we just ain't hanging out. Amen? I forgive you, but you don't never pay for the drinks. I ain't hanging out with you no more. I forgive you, but you always got pat your pocket when it's time to pay the bill. I forgive you, but your alligator arm always show up when the check hit the tape. Amen. Some of y'all will catch it on the way home. I'm trying to make it light because it's heavy. Amen. Point number three before I get on to how to forgive. Sincere repentance is the foundation for true forgiveness. 
In other words, it's got to be sincere, and it needs to be sincere. You're not obligated to accept every I'm sorry that comes your way. Sometimes folks say I'm sorry just to move on, right? Yeah, they, they do. You're sitting in the seat, I got to use you. You notice you're sitting in the seat, I got to use you. You know how folk walk up to you, and they get all the, I'm sorry. They look you in the face like that. Their eyes got a little twinkle in, all their teeth shone. I'm, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And they ask you in front of about eight friends for a reason. Because they realize by asking you in front of somebody, if you say no, then it look bad on you. But if you, you, you went off on me, you need to get with me and hear what I got to say so I can work this thing out with you. And if I choose to say no, it don't mean I'm going to hell. Amen. I'm trying to help some of y'all. If I choose to say I'm going to forgive you, but not right now, it takes some time. Don't y'all look at me funny. If I choose to say I'm going to forgive you, but it's not going to be today, God got to work with me through this thing because I may not be as saved as you think I am. And the reality of it is, is that it takes me some time to get from where I am to where you want me to be preaching here, Pastor Norman. Because what happens to us in the process of forgiveness is that people come to you and they want you to forgive them just because they show up with an apology. Watch what happens in, John, in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist called him out. It's okay for you to ask people to show signs of their true repentance. In other words, show me that you really mean what you say. Show me. Let's go about six months without you doing that to me again. Let's go about three years without that never happening again. In other words, let's, let, 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 let's you and I come to an agreement that if this thing keep on happening over and over again, you really ain't sorry. You just sorry you got caught. Y'all catch that in a minute. You, you ain't really sorry. You just sorry that it, I, it got that brought out of everything. Johnny Taylor showed up and everything got brought out in the open. Amen. But here is the thing. Look at what it says. In those days, Matthew chapter 3, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's talking about Jesus, y'all. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel hair with a leather belt around his waist and food was locusts and honey. Uh, and then Jerusalem, uh, Judea, uh, and all the region around Jordan went out to him and were baptized in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Watch this. When the word went out, everybody started showing up, right? But then the folk in verse 7 who really did not have a sincere repentance showed up as well. I'm trying to help some of y'all in here. The saved folk will show up with the folk who ain't quite been converted yet. And it's kind of hard for us to discern who's who, but that ain't our job. Look at verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said, brood of vipers, who warns you to free from, uh, flee from the wrath to come? Verse 8. He says, bear fruit worthy of your repentance. In other words, show me what you're really saying. I heard what you said, but I can't believe you because I see what you do. Do I have any witnesses in here? It's hard to accept repentance when you keep on seeing the same thing over and over again. And God does not call us to put away our senses when it comes to these things. John the Baptist said, hey, Show fruits worthy of your repentance. Now, he went on to say, I'm not worthy to judge this. 
But there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy of even tying up. But he the one who is able. He is the one who said, I can divide this thing. I can separate the wheat from the tail. I can separate this thing and see who's real sincere and who's not. You believe I'm telling the truth? Watch what Jesus came up and said later. He said, everybody who confessed unto me and says, Lord, Lord, shall not enter into the kingdom. He said, just because some folk repent don't mean they truly sorry and that they turn from their ways. Y'all going to catch it in a minute. And if Jesus knows that about people on their way to heaven, surely he gives us some discernment about people here on earth. In other words, just because folk walk up to you and say, I'm sorry, it don't mean you got to embrace it. You got to receive it and say, okay, I appreciate your apology. Let me pray about it. And then it's okay to ask for some new covenant agreements. Hey, what can we put in space here to say, I'll do this if you do that. I won't do this anymore if you don't do that anymore. If, if, if you buy some bread, you can still eat a sandwich. But if you don't bring some bread and some lunch meat home, you need to get you something to eat somewhere. <laughs> Ain't gonna be no feet under the table around here. What can we do to work together in this new covenant of agreement. So first thing I need you to do is understand, first of all, that forgiveness is not forgetting. Second, that forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation. They are not the same. And third, sincere repentance is the foundation for true forgiveness. But what is it that we need to do in order to learn how to be forgiving and to also forgive? First of understand, first thing we gotta understand is this. We gotta understand the importance of forgiveness. Uh, it is not optional. Touch your neighbor and say, it's not optional. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if you don't forgive, in verse 35, he said, the way you set up your forgiveness towards other folk, that's what my father going to do to you. I said, that has got to be one of the biggest catch-22s in the Bible. You mean, if I don't forgive folk, the father is not going to forgive me? You mean if I keep on holding transgressions against folk that the father going to set it up out there where somebody's holding transgressions against me? You mean if I'm always talking about yesterday, God is going to have somebody always talking about my yesterdays? In other words, he said, as ye forgive others, so will you be forgiven. I wish I had somebody in here. That's a hard thing, but what we got to understand is that this is not optional with the Lord. He said from the very beginning, Forgive as you want to be forgiven. If you want to be forgiven, then you got to forgive other folk. If you want to be forgiven joyfully, without a whole lot of strings attached, then you got to learn how to forgive other folk. The reality of it is, is sometimes that's very hard because what we choose to do sometimes is say, you know what, I want to be forgiven, but I don't want to forgive other people. But here's what we got to do. We got to learn how to forgive other folk. Well, can I give you some help with that? Don't you try to do it in your own strength. Don't you try to do it in your own strength. Here's what you do when you recognize there is something that you got to do. Ask God to help you. Come on, ask God to help you. Say that back to me. Ask God to help you. See, I've learned that I can't forgive people in my own strength. I realize that I need God's help to forgive people because my mind is so focused on what has happened to me that all I'm thinking about is what I feel and what is happening in my situation. But if we are honest with ourselves, we have to ask the Lord to help us to forgive folk. 
because it is not within us to forgive people in our own strength and our power. We are so fleshly oriented that we start thinking about how we feel and what's going on and what you did to me and how you made me feel and how I'm going to get you back eventually. I need to help you up in here. You need to ask the Lord to help you. Look, Lord, help me learn how to forgive. And if you think you can forgive people in your own strength, you're pretty good, but ain't nobody capable of forgiving in their own strength and power. Forgiveness is an act of the spirit. Remember I said that earlier. Forgetting is an act of the brain. You can forget stuff when you want to try. I forgot I owe you $20. You can forget where you put your keys. You can forget where your eyeglasses are. Most times they're right up here on your head or in your pocket. And you ain't got to be a certain age for that to happen. You, for, you can forget what you said to somebody on the first night that you met them once it went past about six months and y'all still together. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. <laughs> but you need the Lord to help you to forgive. God, I need you to help me to forgive. Listen, there are some people in here, and I say this with great respect. We have people in here who have lost children at the hands of people who were violent. My mother was one of those people. And it takes a long time for us to move beyond those kinds of pain. Don't rush into that. You ask God to guide you. And then if you are not there yet, say, I'm not there yet. Now, don't use that as an excuse not to keep moving because you got to work your way through it. Tell somebody you got to work your way through it. Forgiveness and grief are the two things that we have to learn how to work our way through because it does not happen overnight. And oftentimes, forgiveness and grief are often attached to each other. And you have to work your way through it. I wish I had somebody just shout, I'm working through it. Amen. I'm not there yet, but I'm working through it. And there's some things that happen in life that you got to work through it. And then you got to be able to separate the current moment from things that have happened in previous moments. Because what will happen to us is that we'll carry unforgiveness from other situations, not even attached to where we are right now. And then when something happens in the present, everything from the past comes up and gets on the train. And now we got a real problem and it's hard to get rid of. Amen, pastor. Shut up, pastor. Finish up, pastor. Yeah. We carry it. And by carrying it, when it happens again, it gets triggered. And when it gets triggered, it gets fresh all over again. And it starts all over again. And what the Lord has, has, says he wants us to do is be able to get, you got to ask for help. I say a forgiveness prayer. Hear the word, Lord help. Amen. Uh, I don't name nothing. Lord help. <laughs> you know what that means? I ain't got this. It means I'm in a situation here where I recognize that if I do this in my own action, it ain't going to come out right. Do I have any cousins in here? I got a little can't get right in my blood. Amen. You know, can't get right means no matter how hard I try, I just can't get right. And I can't get it right. 
I see I got some of y'all looking at me kind of side-eyed right now. But if you got a can't get right in you and a little can't get right, you need to say, Lord, help. Amen. Because sometimes what happens is every time I try to get it right, I get it wronger. See, I didn't even get the word right. So I say, Lord, help. Uh, I told you earlier there, there are de-escalating techniques in, in, in your forgiveness. Uh, your immediate response, if you go back to Romans chapter 12, Paul said don't take you know, vengeance in your own hand. Your first response whenever somebody hurts you is to want to do to them what they did to you. Mm -hmm. Don't make me start calling it out because some of y'all have done that. Amen. They did it, so you went out and did it too. So I'm going to let you see how this feels. And you realize by doing it, they didn't feel nothing. Amen. And you're the only one that carries the weight of that in your spirit. Oh, I will name it because this is a grown folk sermon series. But I'm going to let y'all go ahead and know what it is in your own life, all right? You can't make nobody feel what you feel. That's what vengeance tries to make us feel, that if I do back to you what you did to me, you're going to feel what I felt. No, they're not. But then if you have de-escalated from the idea of vengeance, if you're just able to not think about it every day, tell God, thank you for that. Because sometimes you think about it every day, too much every day, and it consumes your day. But when you get to the point where you have a day without thinking about it, thank God for that. Amen. There ought to be some folk that have stepped down from that. Amen. And then when you get to the point where you can see them and not cuss them out, go and shout glory right there. I mean, because it used to be a time I couldn't be in the same space. I couldn't be in the same room. I couldn't be in, oh, ride together. Oh, H to the no, no, no. No, no, we ain't getting in the same, buy lunch? Oh, no. I came up with a reason not to go to that lunch because I heard you were going to be there. I asked who was going, so if I found out I didn't have to go, who did that? I know you did it. I do it. I said, oh, no, can't make it. Go on, Tam. Tam, Tam's still over there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So I de-escalated. I moved from vengeance. I moved to not thinking about it every day. I moved to controlling some self-control, my words. Now I'm praying for you. My prayer's a little sarcastic, but at least I'm praying for you. Lord, bless a pitiful soul. <laughs> this one of the worstest people I've ever seen before in my life. <laughs> oh, I love this, I love this. But at least I'm praying for it. Then my prayer gets stronger, you know. Lord, forgive them. Jesus prayed a strong prayer on the cross. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You know, that, that, that's a prayer that you ought to pray. I want to give you some modern day terms for it. And don't think bad about Jesus or yourself if you pray it this way. Father. Forgive them, because they didn't know who I was. They don't know who I am. They don't know I'm your child. They don't know that I was sent in their life to be a blessing to them. They don't know how nice I really am. Father, forgive them, because they would not have enacted this pain against me if they really knew who I was. 
Father, forgive them because they had no idea how wonderful of a person you placed on the inside of me and that I don't mean any harm to them, but they looked at it that way. Father, forgive them because they ain't got no clue. Your way of saying it, my way of saying it is that I didn't deserve this. That's essentially what you're saying. I didn't deserve this because I wasn't doing anything to deserve. Jesus said, I didn't deserve this. Forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't know that they're crucifying the one who came to save them. They don't know that they're crucifying the one that came to heal them. Lord, I feel like preaching right there. They don't know that they're crucifying the one who got all the power to be able to fix the stuff that's wrong in their life. They don't know that they're harming the one who wants to help them in the situation that they're in. They do not know that I got the bank book in my pocket to get them out of the situation that they're in. They don't know that I got good intentions toward them, but sometimes even in good intentions, God, they will do wrong. They don't have an idea. That's what Jesus was saying. And when we are in that spot, what we have to learn to do in that situation is ask God for help. I got to move on. You got to be committed to working through it. Amen. Tell somebody you got to be committed to working through it. You're not going to get there overnight. You're not going to get there overnight. Amen. Uh, I, 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 I prayed with one of our members this morning. I saw her. I love her. Uh, told her I was preaching on forgiveness. She said, I'm leaving. But she stayed. Because it takes some time to get through it. And uh, people say, we'd rather hear sermons on tithing than sermons on forgiveness. I'd rather hear a sermon about tithing than to hear that was A survey proved it. It said people want to hear sermons on tithing, but not forgiveness. I started to do the offering before I preached. Thought about it, but we did lock the door, so you really can't get out. <laughs> Tell somebody you got to work through it. Point number four, and I'm finished. You got to ask yourself the critical question about yourself. Hmm. So, Pastor, what do you mean? All this was about relationship with other people? No. See, if you want to be able to forgive, you got to know how to forgive. Then you got to forgive others as you want to be forgiven. So forgiveness is a two-way street. It's a funny thing. It's always connected to something outside of you. It's not just about you. It's about you and the person, the situation, whatever it may be. Ask yourself the critical question about yourself. What did I do to contribute to this in any way? Was there anything I could have done differently to help this outcome come out better? And then forgive yourself once you get the answer back. You see, if you want to forgive others, you got to know how to forgive yourself. I should have some folk in here saying amen. Because the hardest person to forgive in most situations is yourself. I wish I had never done that. I should have never said that. 
We hold ourselves in a place of unforgiveness. And you've got to learn how to forgive yourself. You've got to learn how to say, God, I'm sorry. Self, I'm sorry. And forgive yourself if you want to learn to forgive others and then receive forgiveness from others. Amen? I am so glad I'm finished with that sermon. But I got a feeling that sermon ain't finished with me. So here's what I had to do. While I got through that anxiety stuff, I didn't have no anxiety. I was sitting there finishing, you know, calling the banks, calling the credit cards, calling the people, got all that stuff done. And then anxiety went away. Patience. I said, okay, Lord, sit in the bank and wait. Be on hold for 30 minutes. You want choice number one, two, or three? Two. I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Repeat. Two. I'm sorry. Speak clearly. Two. I said two. You need some patience. Call back. You have lost self-control. Please call back when it's regained. So I got through anxiety, I got through patience, I got through self-control. And the Lord said, start on your forgiveness. I'm back at my briefcase now. Start on your forgiveness. I said, okay. So I started speaking the words of forgiveness. I have forgiven whomever has taken my briefcase. And I said it to the Christians around me. Y'all. That be y'all. <laughs> But here's what the Lord said. You haven't prayed for him. That's what I said, Jesus. He said, you ain't prayed for him, not once. I said, I don't know his name. <laughs> That's me and God talking for real. I said, I don't know their name, so I can't pray for him. He said, you pray for a lot of people you don't know. He said, pray for them because they may have had a need that was so desperate that they felt like the only way to feel that need was to take something from somebody else. He said, so if it costs you $50 from your bank account when you got some in your bank account that you won't even miss, what is $50 to you, man? Pray for that guy. Pray for that woman. You don't know what they're going through. I said, Lord, I really don't need all this right now. Just show me where the briefcase is. I'm just talking like I talk to the God I serve. Amen. He said, pray for him. All right. So I had a little sarcasm in my prayer. Don't pray and drink wine at the same time. <laughs> Father, bless unnamed bag stiller. <laughs>
But I, I, I eventually started praying, and I kind of thought about it. I said, there's a need that's greater in that person than I have ever been exposed to. And my prayer led to happiness. God, I've never had to steal a day in my life. God, thank you for that. He illuminated while I sat there and prayed for somebody who had harmed me. How good he's been to me. And I thought about it and I said, I don't miss nothing in that situation because God has not let me miss it one moment in my life. Everything he's given me, he said, I'm able to give it back to you. Everything the enemy tried to take, I'm able to give it back to you. Everything somebody tried to take from me, he said, but guess what? Your joy wasn't in that bag. He said, your joy wasn't in that bag. Your life wasn't in that bag. Your heart wasn't in that bag. Your safety and your mind wasn't in that bag. Whoever got that bag got a bag, but they didn't get what I gave you. And this what he said to me. I ain't telling you to forget it. I'm just telling you to let it go. I'm asking you to do a hard thing today. I'm not asking you to let it go today. I'm asking you to commit with me to let it go. I'm asking you to start walking with me towards letting whatever it is go. If you'll commit with me, don't impress nobody in this room by standing. But if you'll at least try to make that, I try to make that commitment. I'm going to try to let it go. Come on, stand with me if you're going to try to let it go. I'm going to take the step. I'm going to try. I'm going to use some of the stuff you preached about today. I'm going to do some research on my own. I'm going to try to let it go. I'm not going to rush. Now, I need you to get something. Just because you see somebody standing today, don't think that they got there already, so don't run up to them. Because they still might have some left swing and right hook in them, all right? I'm going to commit to walk with Jesus on this road of seeking to forgive others as God has forgiven me. I'm going to try to forgive myself for some choices and decisions I made towards others and in my own self. I want to set up the way God forgives me by the way I learn to forgive others. 